The Panthers won yet again. They are undefeated. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. In this episode, we're going to be talking largely about the pit win over Louisville. That was a big game for the Panthers. They got the win over a ranked opponent. They moved to 3-0. They are undefeated. And so we'll just dive right in. Pitt made a statement in this game. They beat a good team. And I think most importantly, there was no pitting. And that is huge for this program because if you're listening to this to this podcast, you know Pitt well enough that pitting is fairly frequent and that we can expect to see Pitt uh, lose in big games. I've said it before that uh, the thing that I... I forget who I heard it from in college, was Pitt never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And this seemed to be that sort of a game where you've got this big opportunity. You've got, it wasn't on national TV, it wasn't primetime, but you've got a game against a ranked opponent. You're ranked. You've got a chance to really prove that that you're worthy of being ranked, of being one of the, the top teams in the ACC, of making a run to the ACC championship, perhaps, of being taken seriously. And Pitt showed up. And they played a good game. I mean, there were obviously a lot of uh, frustrations in it, and there were a couple things that fell short, but they played a good game. And again, most importantly, there was no pitting. There was no collapse at the end. So they showed up. They did not miss their opportunity. And then at the end of the game, when it looked like Louisville, they were going to get the ball back, and it looked like a movie that we'd seen before. It looked like the Cardinals were going to march down the field and most likely get a touchdown. Possibly they could send it into overtime, but most likely get a touchdown, go up, and there'd be no way for Pitt's offense to uh, to counter and uh, and get a, a score of their own. So it certainly looked like to anyone who knows Pitt that that was going to happen. It seemed like a a car crash in slow motion. Like we all knew exactly what was going to happen when Pitt's offense couldn't drain the clock, couldn't run a four minute offense and drain the clock all the way down, and uh, and get the first down that the defense, after playing a great game all day, they they just couldn't hold up and that Louisville was going to win it at the end. And that didn't happen. Pitt's defense held up. They held up from start to finish throughout the whole game. They played a phenomenal game defensively. And that really is the reason that the Panthers won this game. This defense is as good, if not better, than Pat Narduzzi promised. This is the defense that he's been working toward. I said that, uh, I believe, two weeks ago. And this is the defense that really that, that he promised. He promised when he got to Pitt that this was going to be a team, a program that he would build up that would have a tough physical defense that wreaks havoc, that causes disturbances, that comes up with big plays, and is really going to disrupt every other opponent that you have. And the first couple of years, you didn't really see it because the players weren't there over from the Paul Christ era. And then the last two years, we've started to see it. And the defense has played very well. This year, this isn't just, oh, this is one of the better defenses in the ACC. I'm talking this is now at the level of some of these big-time programs. You're talking about a defense that could very well be at that level with Clemson, with LSU, with Ohio State. I mean, it sounds crazy because Pitt is never in that conversation. And as a team, certainly now, Pitt is not in that conversation. But defensively alone, this is one of the best defenses in the country. 
and you don't have to hedge your bets and say one of the best defenses in the ACC or outside of Clemson, this is one of the best you know defenses in the ACC. No, no, no. Even including Clemson, this team, this defense can make a case, and and that's pretty astounding when you're talking about Pitt going up against Clemson. That's won national championships in the last couple of years. So that that's pretty incredible what, what Pitt has been able to do on the defensive end. And they did it again in this game against a Louisville offense that has a lot of speed, huge playmaking ability, and and just a lot of talent. They have a ton of talent. And Pitt's defense was able to largely shut them down. And in large part, it was due to the front seven. The front seven was sensational. They gave Malik Cunningham no time. They gave him absolutely no time. They didn't let Louisville establish a run. They caused some big plays. The defense was just exceptional. They had three interceptions in the game. You're talking DeMar Hamlin, Jason Pinnock, and uh, Marquise, uh, Marquise Williams. On top of that, Paris Ford, yet again, had a great game. He had six tackles. Chase Pine had a great game. He had four tackles. Rashad Weaver had a big game. He had three tackles. Cam Bright. Patrick Jones was absolutely huge. And when you add it all up, I mean, this was just a huge day for the defense and it was a bunch of players a ton of different players stood out and had one or two or three great plays and when you look at the totality of it Pitt had those three interceptions they had seven sacks Patrick Jones Cam Bright Rashad Weaver I mean they were all phenomenal up front seven sacks three interceptions 12 tackles for loss and they only allowed 223 yards, again, against a Louisville team that's got a ton of talent and a ton of speed. This was, you can't put it any other way, this was a dominant performance from the Pitt defense. And it showed that you've got a ton of players who can all step up. That even without Jalen Twyman, and we all talked about when that happened, when he said he wasn't going to play this season because of COVID, that that was a big hit. And that Pitt's defense, that everyone was expecting to be the best in a long time, wasn't going to be at that level because they were going to be missing Jalen Twyman. Well, if you had Jalen Twyman, this very well could be uh, considered maybe the best defense in the country. But even without him, this is a phenomenal defense. And you really saw that on Saturday from a bunch of guys there. Like I said, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver, Cam Bright, Marquise Williams, Jason Pinnock, Paris Ford, DeMar Hamlin. I mean, everybody seemed to step up. Old guys, young guys, it really was incredible to see. And the defense, they just never let Louisville get comfortable. And at the end of the game, when it seemed like Louisville was going to march down the field and make Pitt's offense pay for not being able to drain the clock, Pitt's defense yet again stepped up. They got a huge stop. And again, we it seemed like we knew the story. It seemed like we knew it was going to happen. But Pitt's defense proved us wrong. And that that's very big. That's a big statement for the Pitt defense. And when you're talking about where they are, you've got a team right now that in the nation, in defensive rankings, they are the second best defense in the country. They're the second best run defense, the third best pass defense, second in pass efficiency, fourth and third down efficiency, and you're talking about that final drive, third down, fourth down. That was huge. They are second in interceptions. They are third in tackles for loss, third in turnovers gained. And this is huge. 
They are first in the nation in sacks. I forget who said it on Twitter, but the new nickname for this defense is Sacks Fifth Avenue. Because you, th- this pit defense, you've got Fifth Avenue running through Oakland. This pit defense is phenomenal, but especially up front when they get to the quarterback. We've seen Aaron Donald, and even last year we saw Jalen Twyman. And without those guys, to do what they have been doing is absolutely incredible. This defense is stellar. How they rush the quarterback, how they blow up running plays, that is huge. And if Pitt's defense can keep this up, this really can be a remarkable season for the Panthers. But again, you're talking about number one in the nation in sacks, number two in total defense. This is a really excellent defense. And we'll see moving forward how the numbers stack up nationally as the SEC plays more games, as the Big Ten joins the party and all that. But as of now, this Pitt team... Uh, defensively, is truly one of the best in the nation. And it's wild to see, but you've got to appreciate it. On the offensive end, the team sort of looked like they did last year, which isn't terrible, but you need to do better. And they were able to win this game even with the offense struggling. But you're going to have to do better if you want to get to that next level. And when you've got a defense this good, you better get to that next level. You can't afford to waste that level of defense that Pitt has. Kenny Pickett had a actually a very good first half. He did what he had to do. Struggled in the second half. And again, especially at the end, when you're talking about a four-minute offense, you've got to drain the clock, you've got to get a couple of first downs, and you can close the game out. They couldn't do it. And part of that was that the run game was weak. And it, this is a unit that should be better. This should be the focal point of Pitt's offense. And they they weren't bad, but they do need to be better. Part of it is you're trying you're still trying to figure out who are your starting running backs, who are going to be the one or two running backs that you can really rely on. Because at the moment, Pitt sort of has four or five. That was kind of the case last year. It's kind of the case this year. Four or five guys who can all step up, and and while that's helpful in some cases, it's certainly helpful if someone gets injured or anything like that, at a certain point you need one or two running backs who are going to be reliable, who you can turn to in those closing minutes, and who can get those couple extra yards, move the sticks, and uh, and milk the clock. And it seems, we'll see, it seems moving forward that the people might be Vincent Davis, who led the way with rushing with 47 yards, and he had the most carries with 14. And then Israel Abanaconda, who is a a true freshman. He had 41 yards on nine carries. But there are still other players. A.J. Davis, average, he got four carries for 23 yards. That's an average of just under six per carry. Uh, Todd Sibley's still on the team, so you never really know. But it seems like Vincent Davis and Israel Abanaconda seems like those are the guys who are going to be the primary running backs. But Pitt really needs to establish those two. Because that running game had a chance to put the game away. And it could have very well could have cost the Panthers the game. If not for the excellent defense and crunch time. But the running game's got to be better. Pickett has to be better in that second half. The offense as a whole has to be a little bit better. They don't have to be great. This doesn't have to be the, the 2016 Matt Canada offense. But it does have to be better. If they're going to keep up with the defense and do their part to be able to win games. And then the third unit that came up was Alex Kessman with special teams. And Alex Kessman had a huge bounce back game. 
And you've got to be happy for him because he struggled mightily in those first two games. And against Syracuse, that very well could have cost the Panthers the game. He really struggled in that Syracuse game. He came back against Louisville, and he hit some big kicks. He was 3-for-3. He hit a 45-yarder early on. Then he hit a 41-yarder later in the first quarter. And then he ended up hitting what turned out to be the game-winning score. He hit a 42-yard field goal in the third quarter. And then Louisville scored a touchdown. It was a three-point game that no one scored again. So if he hadn't scored that third field goal, if he hadn't kicked it through the uprights, then that Louisville touchdown late in the third quarter would have tied the game. And then who knows what happens in the fourth quarter. But he was able to give Pitt the lead and keep the lead in that third quarter and beyond throughout the second half. And for Alex Kessler, and all three of them, difficult field goals. None of them were gimmies. They were all 40-plus yards. But it was a big bounce-back game for Alex Kessman. And a really cool thing that I saw that he attributed his bounce-back to was therapy, essentially, and the, the mental aspect of it. And we all know how that plays in in sports, as it does in life. But especially with kickers, I mean, that position is so mentally taxing when no one cares about you most of the time. And then every now and again, you become the most important player. And if you make it, you're just doing your job. And if you miss it, you will get crushed. And his mentally, I mean, he admits that, that mentally he wasn't quite there in the first two games. And he said to himself, he knew how to kick. There was nothing wrong, really, with the actual kicking. A lot of it just was the mental preparation. And so he said that going into the Louisville game, he changed his mental preparation. He went back, he was meditating, and he talked to a sports psychologist. He talked to a therapist. He said he talked to Dr. Rosen, who is his sports psychologist. And he said since his sophomore year, he's been talking to him. But he didn't this year. And... Now he finally did, and that helped get him right and get him back on track. And so you really love to see that, you know, especially with young people, with athletes, where therapy, mental health isn't really talked about and it's not really addressed. You love to see that someone like Alex Kessman comes out and says, yeah, I talked with someone. It was the mental side of things, the psychological side of things, and it helped me improve and it helped me kick three field goals in this game when my team needed me the most. And so it's really cool that that is how he got back on track and that he's sharing his story and how he got back on track uh, because it really was a huge bounce back for for Alex Kessman. And so just a, a really cool moment for him in terms of what he did, the work that he put in, not on the field, but off the field to get himself into a better spot and that it paid off on the field and it helped deliver the Panthers a win. So that is uh, just a huge, it was a huge game for Alex Kessman and, and props to him for speaking to a sports psychologist. So we'll take a very quick break. We'll be back just in a moment to talk about the uniforms, to talk about where Pitt is now in their season, to talk about the Panthers ranking and, uh, and what comes next for Pitt. Stay with us right here on Unscripted. Okay, we are back. Uh, let's talk about the uniforms. The uniforms, they came out at noon. It was, I don't know if you want to call it the Steel Panther. The, the I don't even know what you want to call it exactly. But uh, it would, the uniforms talked about them a bit last week. Now we got to see them in all their glory. Basically, they were, they were not black. They were steel gray. They were a very dark gray with uh, a lighter gray, sort of a, a sheet metal gray for the numbers. 
and a couple other accents. And then yellow, yellowish, reddish, sort of that, that color you make when uh, when you heat up steel. And so it really was, I mean, they, they stuck to the bit when it comes to, uh, to steel making. Because it really was, throughout the entire thing, uh, steel focused. They had the U.S. steel logo on the side, but it was H2P on their chest. They had a, uh, a silhouette of Samuel Yellen who, really cool story, he was a Jewish immigrant who fled Ukraine for Pennsylvania, and he came to Philadelphia, actually. He became one of the best steelmakers in the nation, and he helped, he created a ton of art and, and amazing architecture all over the country, but one of the things he did was he was commissioned to work on the Cathedral of Learning when it was being built, and he created those gates that you can see in, uh, in the common room in the cathedral. And so they have a silhouette of him on the front. That was really cool. And I actually found out that my grandfather knew him back in the day because my grandfather had an optical store in Philadelphia and, uh, Samuel Yellen had an, uh, had a, had a shop in Philadelphia right around a block or two away from each other. And on top of that, Samuel Yellen's brother, uh, lived on the same street as my grandfather, and so my father actually knew Samuel Yellen's family, which is uh, which is very cool. So it was nice to see Pitt honor him, to honor U.S. Steel, to honor steel workers, the colors. I mean, it, it was just, in terms of the idea, it was very cool. It would have been better under the lights. When you've got dark uniforms, I think that always looks better when you're when you're playing a night game. So it didn't quite fit for the day game. I think they were hoping that that game, being a marquee matchup, would be a night game. Didn't work out that way. Uh, it, but in terms of an alternate, univer uh, alternate uniform, they were very good. And I, I'd be happy to see Pitt wear those once a season. I mean, you've got great regular uniforms. And I would like to see maybe an alternate in that realm where you're talking maybe a, a blue helmet, a blue matte helmet would be very cool. Maybe seeing uh, some, some royal blue pants would be pretty cool. But in terms of going totally alternate, going for a completely different look, if you're going to do it, I like how they did it. I like that it wasn't just black. Uh, I like how they weren't really copying the Steelers. It was sort of their own look. And uh, and I, I think it, it came out well. You just hope to see uh, see it under the lights. Uh, so so where is Pitt now? They are 3-0. This is their best start since 2014, which is kind of remarkable. And that season, the 3-0 start did not hold. Because shortly after that 3-0 start... Uh, they lost to, I believe it was Iowa. Then they lost to Akron. I mean, things started to collapse. That was the year with the, the Georgia Tech loss where they gave up like five turnovers in the first quarter. The Duke loss uh, where they, they didn't center the ball before a potentially game-winning field goal, and they lost it. Uh, the bowl game in uh, at TCU Stadium down in Texas against Houston, which was an absolute disaster. So that seat, you don't want to emulate that season except for the first three games. And the Panthers won their first three games just like they did in 2014. And it's a pretty cool moment for Pitt because they are capitalizing on the situation. Right now, you've got T you've got conferences just starting to announce that they're going to be playing. And it really helps Pitt that the ACC never backed down and never even really pushed back the start date for the most part. I believe they pushed it back a week. But that means that the ACC was able to get out there right at the beginning of the season and their teams could make a statement. They were playing before the SEC. The Big Ten is still not playing. The Pac-12 is going to be playing for a long time. The Mountain West 
you know, a couple of these other conferences not playing. And so the ACC, and in this case Pitt, able to take that opportunity and really seize upon it and show that this is this is one of the only 3 and 0 teams in the country and you can't even say that for i mean some of the SEC teams who had even extra time we saw Louis, uh, we saw LSU go down in the Big 12 we saw Oklahoma go down so it's no easy feat being a 3 and 0 team at this moment and Pitt was able to do it and when the other teams aren't playing that's sort of when you want to play your best because you've got more eyeballs on you. You've got more people paying attention. You've got a chance to make a statement. We saw it earlier in the summer. The first league that came back was the NWSL, the first uh, professional league in the U.S. in terms of team sports. And they came back in a bubble in Utah, and they got monster ratings because they seized on the moment. They seized on the opportunity that they saw that they had was when there's not a ton of competition – you can really thrive. And so for Pitt, for the ACC, this is the chance. Now, in terms of viewership for Pitt, it's not exactly the case because any Comcast customer uh, still cannot get the ACC network. And that's where all the Pitt games have been so far this season and will continue to be for the next two weeks, it looks like. Uh, but certainly on the field, Pitt is making a statement. They are putting themselves out in front of the country and saying, hey, look at us. We're a good team. We're 3-0. and Pay attention. And when you've got other conferences who are just starting or not even ready to play yet, that's a, a nice spot for the Panthers to be in. In terms of the ranking, I'm just going to say it, the ranking this week was horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Basically what happened is they decided for all of the conferences who are not playing, who won't be playing for a long time, but who've announced that they will be playing at some point, that they deserve to be in a ranking with all the teams that have played one or two or three games. I think it's absurd. I think the decision is absolutely absurd. I think maybe the week before your conference starts playing, that's when you can get a ranking. You get call it the preseason ranking. You can get into the rankings the week before based on paper. But you've got teams in there from the Big Ten and Oregon from the Pac-12 who are ranked, who are not going to be playing for a month or more. And they're in the ranking now? I mean, based on what? What can you base it off of? It's just absurd. I mean, preseason rankings in general are pretty ridiculous. But to have them ranked alongside and above teams who have played one or two or three games, say this team is better than this other team that's played three games and won all of them and looked good doing it. But this team's better because on paper they look pretty good. LSU on paper looked pretty good. They lost to Mississippi State. A lot of teams look pretty good, and they lost. Oklahoma looked pretty good, and they lost. So the preseason thing, you really can't tell me. Again, if no one's playing the week before, you want to do a preseason ranking, that's fine. But you can't honestly tell me that a team deserves to be above Pitt because you expect them to be good when you've got a team who has played three times and showed you that they're worthy of a ranking all three times. To me, it's just an absolutely garbage decision and the way that it all came out, Pitt is 24th in the rankings. They actually moved down three spots. They beat a ranked team, and they moved down three spots because they allowed teams who are not playing, who will not be playing anytime soon, to be ranked. Again, to me, that is absolutely ridiculous. A team that beats, a, who is already ranked, who beats a ranked team, should be moving up 
at least three spots, not down three spots. So to me, it's just absurd that you've got teams who haven't played yet, and again, not even playing next week, who are ranked so far above Pitt. I mean, I can understand Ohio State. They were ranked sixth. Okay, I get, I still think the whole concept is stupid, but okay. But Penn State was ranked 10th. You've got Oregon ranked 14th. You've got Wisconsin ranked at 19. And you've got Michigan ranked at 23. I ju- To me, it is just so dumb to say that these teams, based on what we expect, because we all know the preseason rankings, those expectations, they're always spot on. They always know what they're talking about when they make those preseason rankings. Based on what we expect is going to happen and how we think a team's going to play, that they deserve a ranking and a a higher ranking than teams who have actually gone out on the field and earned their place. To me, that is just completely absurd. Uh, Pitt deserved to be, if they were 21 last week, the other schools shouldn't be in there, even if you could rank them. If I had a ballot, I would not be ranking them. Maybe Ohio State would make an exception for But I would not be ranking Michigan and Wisconsin over any teams at this point because they they have not shown anything. They can't show anything. So until they can, and until they do, it's just an estimate that a team's going to be pretty good. And that's just what a preseason ranking is, which is fine when the other teams also haven't played. But you cannot possibly compare apples to oranges here and tell me that an orange that's been sitting on the shelf and will continue to sit on the shelf is better than the apple that is out there hard at work with, you know, doing whatever, being eaten by a teacher or whatever. So to me, that's just absurd. Uh, I, I think it's it's so dumb uh, that Pitt actually moved down after a win. All that being said, rant aside, Pitt controls its own destiny. As long as they keep winning, they will stay in the rankings. Because at this point, no more teams are coming in. There aren't going to be any other teams who haven't played, who decide, and they're going to, leapfrog over Pitt. No, everyone who's who's going to be ranked for sitting at home, they're already in the rankings. And so as long as Pitt keeps winning, they will stay ranked. And for Pitt at the moment, they've got two extremely winnable games. Now, on one hand, that's good because the Panthers can go out there, get two wins, move to 5-0, and keep moving up the rankings, all that. On the other hand, this is still Pitt. And while there was no pitting against Louisville, and they were able to to beat Syracuse fairly comfortably, and they dominated Austin P. I am not convinced that Pitt will not show up poorly against a weaker opponent. They've got NC State this weekend. They're at Boston College in their first road game of the season the next weekend. Both of those games, Pitt should win and should win fairly comfortably. But I am not convinced that Pitt won't show up sluggish, that Pitt won't play down to their opponent, and that they, it's it's certainly possible that Pitt could lose either one of those games. And so we'll have to see. For Pitt, this is the opportunity. You've got a chance to go out. You've proven yourself. Now you just keep it up. Just do not fall flat on your face. And we'll see what happens. But these are two extremely winnable games coming up. And it's just a big chance for Pitt. They cannot afford to drop a game against NC State or against Boston College. You control your own destiny. You're in the rankings. You can keep climbing up. All you have to do is win. And these are two games you're supposed to win. And if you do that, you're in a great position. You're 5-0. and You're playing Miami, who currently is ranked 8th in the country. That will be a huge game if both teams go in undefeated. An absolutely huge game. 
but you just have to win those these next two weeks. So we'll be uh, back next week covering that NC State game. Again, it is uh, Saturday at noon on the ACC Network, so we'll be talking about it. We'll be back to our regular uh, Monday schedule this week uh, was Tuesday because uh, Sunday night into uh, Monday was Yom Kippur, so I hope anyone uh, observing had a, a meaningful fast uh, and is having a, a happy and healthy new year. Um, but for now, that will just about do it. Panther of the week, you just got to go the entire defense. They played a phenomenal game. You got to give it to them all. They gave Pitt that victory. Uh, so again, next week, we will be back to Monday. The high holidays uh, in Judaism are over now, and so we will be back putting out a new episode on Monday. And uh, until then, you can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. You can tweet me. uh, Check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever. Search for Cardiac Hill. Subscribe to the podcast. You get it right into your feed as soon as the episode drops. You can also keep checking out CardiacHill.com for everything you want to know as a Pitt fan. So until next week, we'll see if the Panthers can stay undefeated. I'm Corey Cohen. Signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.